generally, that's the image you want to give out to our listeners. Yes, yes. Well, watch this man lick a microphone creepily. New profile pick. Clearly. My ability to summon fish is of no use for this toppling building. Representing the United States West Coast, Dazzler. Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. They like a little badunkadunk. Yeah. Is, is, am I allowed to say that? Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. Everybody's in the midst of grief and Reed Richards' wife is hitting on the new guy. I've seen the numbers. There's nowhere to go but up. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's uh, sadly accurate. Yeah, it's, uh, it's fine. Uh, hopefully we'll get some more out of it. People keep taking flyers, so you know. At, out of at the, worst, out of the, get some hits. Throw uh, right yeah. out of out of the few hundred flyers that have taken. I expect you know one, maybe one we're, and a half listeners. One and so a half we're, listeners. We're yeah. accepting uh, advertisement bids right now. Yeah, no shit. Uh, Welcome you, to day three of Comic Con. If you have yeah. a niche product that needs to get out to that even nichier audience, <laughs> uh, uh, advertise with the Geekerific.com <laughs> crew. <laughs> if you have something that. Really, just Dale needs to know about. <laughs> <laughs> and and that, yes, we de- we definitely Dolby have and Snicker, tar- tar- two target audience. our two target Snicker audience members, target audience. a guy who calls who himself awesome. Snicker Footfoot, Furfoot. If you and a guy who walked t- around in a pink wig and a brocade, it was, it was lilac, <laughs> or a yeah. lilac and wig was, and a brocade yes. jacket. Yes. It's well, a very good Brokaw jacket. It's true. Oh, very fancy. If you have a product that you want to sell to the only Zune subscriber in the world, <laughs> do it. Uh, yes. Hey, everybody. This is Luke, and we are at Emerald City Comic Con Day 3 for our recording of the Trade Secrets Podcast. Live uh, from the floor. Live from the Faintly floor. in the background, you might be able to hear um, bagpiping wizard on a unicycle. Yeah. Oh, is it wizard on a unicycle? He's this a time? wizard it's, this year. It's not stilted Darth Maul bagpiping? Oh, it could be. It could be. I mean, it's... When we are at a comic book convention trying to def- determine which of the bagpiping cosplayers we are hearing in the background... <laughs> you're you in, know you're either in Seattle or show. Portland. Yeah. <laughs> you are in the <laughs> Well, <Pacific> there's <laughs> several. <laughs> we grow bagpipes here out of the ground. One guy on stilts, one guy on a unicycle. Uh, shit goes weird. Yep. Um, we've had the discussion of... it is. I, I think... I think uh, Finn is the clear winner for the most yes. cosplayed character the at char- this. The character to ban for next year? We were corrected on the escalator earlier. It is Fiona, apparently, in her gender so, swaps version. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I've never seen a male version cosplayed at this con. So no, no, I've seen I've seen male and female versions. Both. Really, Listen, any eight year old kid, you throw a pair of bunny ears on them. I think you can probably buy the bunny ears somewhere because yeah. I don't think all these people are making these bunny ears. Hot our guest, yeah, our guest was hot Spencer's topic. Spencer's gifts. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, we just actually, I actually just got done talking to Curtis Weeb, who. He's our first comic creator that volunteered to come on the show what? instead of us having to recruit him for the what? show. What an idiot. Uh, <laughs> what a moron. Hey. What a buffoon. <laughs> um, love you, Curtis. It was, uh, <laughs> And now that he's been on the show twice, and you guys will hear that interview later, I am officially going to start calling him Curtis J. Weeb, friend of the show. Excellent. <laughs> uh, you should put that on your business cards when you get them printed. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Listen to geekerific.com podcasts endorsed by Curtis J. Weeb. I should have had him done like a like a Ooh. system introduction, right? Yeah. You're listening to This is Curtis to? J. Weeb and you're listening to the after the fact shit. I got it wrong too. <laughs> 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 um so 
this has been actually kind of a phenomenal con. Um, I yeah, I've had a lot of fun. Really, really enjoyed this. I've gotten a whole bunch of stuff that I wanted signed. Signed. I got to talk to all the creators that I love. Um, I got yet more. Uh, Brian or Brian Hurt took yet more money from me. I got. Um, I, I saw your six tweet gun about number that. four signed by all everybody. Everybody who was there. Nice. And I got to go bullshit with Cullen Bunn a little bit about how awesome it is that he writes craft articles. Yes. And he's like, yeah, I want to do more of those. Did you make sure and did you make sure and plug the show? <laughs> I uh, well, I told him thank you for coming on the show, and he was like, oh yeah, nice. Um, I don't remember you, but hey, Cullen, well, I Cullen done. Bun, Cullen Bun, all of our interviews so far, Cullen Bun and uh, and Ed Brisson and Curtis Weeb, and I don't remember who you interviewed yesterday. Uh, I interviewed Evan from Minor Arcana Press, oh, right. which is not comics per se, but but it's all like really cool, down to earth people. It's poetry yeah. about comics, so man. nice. Yeah, that's one thing. Like my con experience in this area is PAX, and I don't read comic books because never learned to read. Because yeah, comic book readers are nerd. <laughs> no. nerds, nerds. Wait, <laughs> uh, but I've I, I found this this convention pretty awesome. Uh, it is. It is, in my opinion, and I like, thought like at, at PAX, I, I go and I play. I play video games. Yeah, and I go play video magic. games. Video games. Play video games. And I go play magic, and then I don't do anything. Yeah. And I've gotten to to just walk around and do shit, see panels. Yep. What I, have you seen for panels? Uh, yesterday I watched uh, Paul and Storm and Will Wheaton. Yeah, and yeah. That was, that I was heard it was not actually a cage match, and I'm a bit disappointed. I was at disappointed that. as well. Though Will Wheaton did cut a wrestling style promo at the start. Oh, okay, <laughs> that's something. For like a minute and a half, uh, and then this morning, Saturday, Saturday, <laughs> Saturday at Emerald City Comic Con. <laughs> and then this morning, uh, I went and saw the uh, the panel with uh, there were. 10 different, uh, 11 different artists from uh, Magic the Gathering's past. Oh, nice. Uh, talking about the book they're doing. They did a Kickstarter. They started a Kickstarter mm-hmm. on it last week and it hit 100% funding in 22 hours. Yeah, that's Sad. not surprising at all. <laughs> uh, and so they're, they're doing a book uh, with the, all these artists from the first two years of Magic. Uh, talking about how how the the game how it influenced their, their careers and how they influenced the game etc and, th- and then there's also brand new art from all of them in the book all right. oh, nice. nice and so this this uh, panel was talking to the artists and showing off all the art that all the finished art that's already arrived mm. for the book nice oh really that's cool yeah, that book that book would interest me because that is the era of magic that I played, right? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I right. came into the game at the end of Unlimited and mm-hmm. played it uh, up through about Urza's Saga regularly and then um, and that's that was kind of my time in the game. So uh, those the guys that you were talking about uh, I think yesterday on the show was was like Brian Snowdy and Anson yeah. Maddox and those guys are yeah. the guys that got me into the artwork of the game. Yeah, so. and they were on the panel too, Brian Snowdy, Anson Maddox, Ken Meyer Jr., nice. Mark nice. Teden, uh, Heather Hudson. Oh, nice. Uh, Sandra Everingham, Liz Danforth. I will buy this nice. book. I yeah. will I I may actually go. The Kickstarter's not over. The right? Kickstarter's it's not so over. You can still go there and, and drop some coin on it. I plan on doing that when I get home. Yeah, because the I like Kickstarters that I know are actually going to make it somewhere if uh, if they get funded. Like um, uh, the Symbiosis one that I contributed to. Uh-huh. I don't know if I've talked about this on the show at all. Um, I um, think I, we did. I, well, 
well, whatever. I'll talk about it again. Talk about uh, it. Yeah. It's it is uh, Stephen Sanders, who's the guy who did, who did the artwork for uh, the Five Fists of Science. Oh yeah, um, designing a, f- a sci-fi world that is based entirely around the symbiotic relationship between organic uh, organic bits and cybernetic bits. And so it's not just like straight cybernetics, where it's like cyberpunk style, you know, implant type shit. It's actually like they develop machines that are actually. Um, not necessarily completely formed animals as much as they are like organic parts mm. married with machinery to make this thing that does this thing. And, and this is my cyber um, lobster. Yeah, and and part of it is that everybody when they're uh, kind, kind when of half like quarter Borg, half Mirrodin-ish. a little bit, yeah. Um, and one of the one of the primary conceits of it is that everybody when they are a child after they've lost all their baby teeth and they just start getting their new teeth. They pull one of their molars and get it implanted with this uh, kind of uh, organo-technological tooth that, have, that as they age actually um, grows into their brain Ooh. and adds, um, like, all of these different technological abilities, you know, things like communication abilities and... and that can't uh, possibly go around. Exactly, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, the the point of it is not only is he creating this world, but he's and he's not doing it just straight up as like a like a stories or something like that. He's creating an art book that's going to have a combination of um, character and vehicle designs, finished artwork, kind sketches, like a style guide for the world, right? Concept creating. artwork, that kind of stuff. And then once he releases it, first of all, the only way you can get it is through the Kickstarter. So if anybody gets is listening to this show, by the time this show is posted, there's only going to be maybe ten or eleven days left on the Kickstarter. Mm. He's not going to sell it outside the Kickstarter, so the only way you can get it is that way. Uh-huh. But but the beauty of it is that he's releasing it as a Creative Commons book. So the intent is that here's this world, go make shit out of it. That's, that's pretty, great. That's pretty cool, you know. And those are the kinds of things I like funding on on Kickstarter. Things that uh-huh. I know I'm actually going to see. Yeah. You know, unlike that stupid ass video game that uh, the the. Um, oh, who was it that was doing it? They John were, Video Games. Yeah, one of. Uh, interplay was going to do that uh, is never going to see the light of day. No, but um, back to Emerald City Comic Con. Yeah, back, um, back to the real world of, of uh, the of real fa- world of, of people that are dressed as characters from things from from fake worlds. <laughs> so I guess um, an, another friend of the show, Micatron, <laughs> has done did fairly well on Saturday. Yes, like, and well today as well. Awesome. Good. Well, well, well enough that he had to like that he sold out of a bunch of prints. And uh, stuff he sold and out of his Link print. He has he has a b- picture of Link, sort <laughs> of like placidly eating this anatomically correct heart, and there's blood it's splattered awesome. everywhere, and his little life meters going up. That is, I, I like the gelatinous cube. The, the, that's the, been super popular. Oh God, it's, it's adorable. It's, just gelatinous yeah. cube with a with a shield, a sword, and a like a skeleton, like a bu- a bone, yeah, bone or something. And it's got a smile on his face. Yeah, it's like yay. Yeah, um, that's that's good to hear. Like I know because I know on Friday when I was talking to Micatron, he was like, he was he was like, yeah, it's been all right. I paid for the table, but didn't really do much. And then when I talked to him on Saturday, he was. He was exhausted and extraordinarily happy. He was yes. like, "Oh, yeah. I'm so tired." But uh, we, I sold we went all home and just made prints. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And then swam around your money pit. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're we're working on that still. Dipped a toe in at least, because <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. that's all that fits. Uh, actually, after I think it was after Emerald City last year. Um, Throw all the cash on the bed and just roll around in it naked. Uh, it was clothed <laughs> in the living room floor. But yes. 
Uh, how about your con, Anne? What have you been doing? How have you? What have you seen? What have so I really like. I have gone to zero panels, and I feel a little bit embarrassed about that because there have been some good ones, but like. I've just been bumming around the floor. I've been talking to a bunch of really rad folks. I've talked to like a, a bunch of my webcomic peeps, a bunch of um, people that are doing sort of young adult uh, comic books, mm-hmm. which is something I always want to have a mental list for because I'm in a lot of education circles and people are like, hey, you, you know about things. And I'm like, yes, and here's a big list of comics you should give your child. So I feel like I've added a few to that. And um, I went over... I talked about going over to Colin Bunn's booth. Um, mm-hmm. Hung out and chatted with Gail Simone because you can, because she's right there. Yeah, and she's this is the sort of Colin like literally, where literally feet yeah, from us. Yeah. Um, and we said that yesterday too. Greg Rucco was like right there as well. Yeah. So yeah. Like, yep. And it's just been a really chill con. Like yeah. uh, talking to a lot of people, taking a lot of pictures of cosplay, and. Uh, Hanging out. I think. I think one of the things that has surprised me today and yesterday, especially, is that even though um, there are the occasional, there's the occasional stupidity like this morning when everybody bolted into the hall and all the minions had to just scream at people to stop running. Right. It's for like whatever yeah. the fuck they were running for. Running, Good Lord. running to go to the stationary tables yeah. where people will be here all day. Um, Indeed. Or the, for the most part. Yeah. With the exception of like that this morning. I think one of the cool things about this con is not just on the creator side of things, but how um, how legitimately respectful most of the people are it's of true. the creators, right? Yeah. yeah. You can have a creator as famous as Gail Simone sitting just sitting no, behind not a Rob six Lee foot Field. table. What? Not Rob Liefeld. Not Rob Liefeld. <laughs> uh, just sitting behind exist. a table, talking with people. Bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Guy like you know Rick Remender, a Marvel fucking architect. Like just sitting at a table, just talking to people. Uh, I had a I, I talked to him in the bathroom earlier, sort of a little bit. Uh, <laughs> talking to Rick just Remender outside in the bathroom. The bathroom. <laughs> just outside the bathroom is what is I should the name say. Of my um, but yeah, I mean, like it's it's just people. The people treat them generally with the respect that allows the creators to feel comfortable sitting here talking to people. You know. Um, because I, it seems to me like maybe that's where San Diego failed, and yeah. where it's like you have to now have everybody at arm's length. And I mean, here the celeb guests are at arm's length, but that's that's sort of fine because like you go and you pay money to hang hang out with them for a few seconds and get your yeah. picture taken. Like that's great. And they're in a separate area, which is nice. Yeah, that was something we were talking with Curtis Weeb about. Which I'm so I'm either I'm either is that is that Fiona is that is that. Uh, Yep, that that's Felicia, Felicia Day? Day walking past right now. That is Felicia Day walking past in a bunnier thing that's pseudo disguise. Pseudo disguise. Disguise enough. That's the sort of not con very this is, people. Not <laughs> ineffective. There went Felicia Day. Rad. Yeah. We should have like, done something offensive and had her talking to a mic, but oh well. Uh, so We'll have our handlers track her down. Um, it was something that we were talking to Curtis. We don't have handlers. <laughs> Sorry, Christina, you're a handler now. (laughs) (laughs) We were talking to to, uh, Curtis about that um, that they've got it set. They've got the the non-comic stuff segregated out into another area. Like gaming is out in a different place. Celeb guests are in their own whole area. And the bulk of the convention is still comics. Yeah. Yeah. It's still, this is a place where you can come 
enjoy comic books and comic yeah, book on creators. This, on this side, you've got the artist alley. Well, half the artist alley, and then the the main uh, the main Vendors brand the main brand booths are on this side, Image and yep. DC and Marvel. And then on the other side of the the expo hall, you've got all the vendors and yeah. another set of artist alley area. Yep. Um, and then across the way, you've got the gaming stuff and the demos there. And then down in the basement where it belongs is the magic and the tabletop. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do like, um, I, I was thinking about this yesterday, that, that it would have been interesting to see them split this uh, whole thing just up into one giant hall of artists alley and one giant hall of other stuff. But then I realized that the way they've got it set up actually works really well because um, you don't have people... I feel like this setup helps prevent people from clumping up around the artist Sally tables. Yes, it because does. and it gets people it moving separates. around the the con too to see other things. Exactly, it, it creates a a a, a, a movement flow of, yeah. of people. And they put all of like you said, they put all the booths for the um, for the major uh, like comic uh, companies and everything in in the flow between the artist Sally's areas. So, you yeah. you know, you're talking to artist A, you get some stuff done, you want to go talk to writer B, and then you have to walk through all that stuff to get yeah. there, which is beneficial for the comic companies like Dark Horse and Oni. Yeah. It gets a lot of flow past their booths. Um, I, I, this is a really, this is surprisingly well it's, thought out for a show that expanded to so large so fast. It's something that this show does well that PAX doesn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like PAX has the indie area in one little corner of the the uh-huh. expo hall, and to get to it, you have to know where you're going. You're not going to go past it if you're not necessarily looking for it, right? Uh, and and you just go from uh, oh here's the Sega booth to here's the Ubisoft booth, etc. And you're not going to find anything else but the Sega booth and the Ubisoft booth. Yeah. Uh, on, the, on the other hand, I'm going to complain just just a moment about because the, it's not complete without a <laughs> with a, without a complaint without something bad. First of all, the floor staff. I do understand that the floor staff for these conventions is 90 percent volunteers. I get yeah. that. I think the floor floor staff, aside from floor managers, is all volunteers. Is all volunteers. Yeah. However, the biggest problem that I have is that, with the exception of very few, they know nothing. That's they. Yeah. Well, to, they cannot to, to answer that point, a question. To that point, uh, a friend of mine is volunteering for the con this weekend, uh-huh. uh, and she sent out a message on Facebook yesterday that they had half the staff they needed. As of yesterday, they had half the staff for wow. yesterday that they needed. Wow. And they were putting out an emergency call for, for volunteers. Wow. Which, which is, is interesting. Which is asinine. Yeah. It is asinine for the organizers of this conference to not have yeah. their, their staff ready and ready to go. Uh, Although... Well, and that's the thing know. is, I've never been a minion. I feel like there's a there, there's a process, and I could imagine people being amazingly flaky. That is true, especially when they're volunteering, right? Like, yep. um, I know that the, I know that that happens. Uh, I have a couple of friends who have uh, been enforcers for packs, and they said that the same thing happens. Where it's like people when they volunteer, geeks especially uh, ha- are notoriously flaky. For the most part, broad brush. Broad, um, brush, broad brush. However, in my experience, let's 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 preface it with that fairly, fairly accurate broad brush. Though, in, in my experience, the geeks that I know tend to be fairly flaky. It's especially true when that thing carries no obligation, and because my experience with most people that I know um, is that the the concept of committing to something and giving quote unquote your word. 
is meaningless now to a lot of people. To a lot of people, so, but that's a good way to filter out people. Yeah, it, it, in my life, that's exactly true. But yeah. what I'm trying to say is that, like, in this For the instance, con, yeah. in this instance, when it's all volunteer work, somebody who says, yeah, I'll be there, and then weighs that in their mind and goes, um, uh, I'm not getting paid, and I'm going to have to do work instead of just be able to wander around the con. I could go do X. Yep. Yeah. They're going to flake. That's fair. That's there, fair. There, there's a little bit about that in the nature of going to a con because you walk around and you don't actually have all the money but there's all the shiny things and, <laughs> and I, I have seen it done at Micatron's booth many times I have myself and like oh man that's great I'll come back I will never I come back won't, no. won't actually come back <laughs> but this is uh, um, those are my only complaints though to be entirely honest and they have been a minor impact on my experience at this con yeah um, it's, been overall, a, it's been a good con yeah, it has been really phenomenal. I'm I am extremely happy with the expansion because um, I'm sorry, I just got uh, Slave Leia distracted. Uh, good Slave Leia or bad Slave Leia? Uh, good Slave Leia. Good Slave Leia. Okay. Yeah, you'll see her coming through. Yeah. Um, I don't think Leia had a tramp stamp, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> she does now. Um, <laughs> the expansion has allowed for there not only more people, but there's a lot more space to walk. Uh, there's even then, this place has been packed. Yeah, it has. It's true. Earlier, there, there were more people today, today than I than I than, than yesterday. I think, than which yesterday, is weird. Yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, I, I in think the morning, w- what's weird is that they've been clumped in areas, uh-huh. right? Because like, yeah, there were a metric Jesus of people this morning in the area where we are right now. But when I walked over to get my artwork from Brian Hurt, uh, there was zero people. Like there was well, not zero, but there was a one, lot less people one, over there. One so. bad thing I noticed about the planning of the the floor layout is that there's a they have a clump point of there are several clump points where they have backgrounds where people can get pictures taken, etc. Yeah. yeah, they have one of those in the Sky Bridge, and if you have never been to the, the Washington State Convention Center, there are two large expo halls connected by a much smaller yeah. uh, venue space bottleneck, perhaps a, a <laughs> bottleneck, as you were, and then they stick a clump point in that bottleneck. Yeah, that's a bad spot. They should have had that out like right out those doors by the Sky Bridge, like by the windows, mm-hmm. like have that just make that the entire yeah. photo area. That is the one thing that if, if the Emerald City Comic Con f- event staff ever listens to this show, the don't one ban thing us that I would first, first don't yeah, ban please us. don't ban us. <laughs> uh, but my one suggestion and one uh, desire would be that the minions that are wandering around do not let people stop to take pictures when there are places for people to take pictures. Yeah, you know, because that is the worst thing that I've dealt with at this place is people stopping for pictures and then other people stop to let them take the pictures, which frankly I don't do. I, I'm, I'm just that kind of asshole. If there is a big dude in a cosplay standing on one side of an aisle and another person standing on the other side of an aisle with a camera phone, I do not give a single fuck. I might even I'm just photobomb through. him. This yeah. is photobomb. There is a great photo, by the way, for everybody <laughs> listening to the show, check out Emerald City Comic Con's Twitter feed for oh, the greatest photobomb in the history of the world. Two guys in military outfits being being taken a, having a picture taken, and off to the left side is a dumpy bearded dude in a Lilu Dallas costume. Yes. <laughs> God, yes. <laughs> like, amazing. We, is there time for good cosplay, bad cosplay? Uh, sure, why not? Yay! Right, let's do good cosplay, bad cosplay. It's cosplay, that cosplay Best. wasn't half bad. <laughs> it was all bad! 
as we mentioned earlier on Twitter, we are the Statler and Waldorf of uh, <laughs> Comic-Cons. Um, good ones I've seen. Uh, I saw a pretty awesome uh, barf. The, the oh, yeah, John I saw Candy, a good barf. John Candy character from Spaceballs. I have not seen him yet. It's I a her, to. actually. Yeah. It's a her? Oh, yes. okay. Uh, which also has to be the, the award for the most comfortable cosplay. She's just oh, wearing yeah. a fucking jumpsuit. It's a jumpsuit. <laughs> yeah. It looks really comfy. Right? Um, I mean, there are, there's a bunch of lazy cosplay. Just uh, like, oh. I, I all of the fins. All of the fins. All the poison ivies. Fiona's. Fins, Shakes, Fiona's. Oh, yeah. Fiona's. The pio- poison ivies. Uh, most of the poison ivies are just lazy. Oh, let's find something pink or a green. Put a little, couple leaves on it. The black widows it. are mostly lazy because yeah. they're just a black. Yeah. They're a black uh, unitard. It's a jumpsuit. Jumpsuit with some sort of belt around it. and just Or the laziest the laziest oh, wait, the laziest cosplay just walked by by the way what was it just an H on the head for Rimmer for, for Hologram from Red Dwarf oh okay that's yeah. at least obscure <laughs> and lazy like I, I give maybe that's my, my Nor- normal clothing H on forehead done I think that's my three sliders is like <laughs> how how uh, how lazy was it or uh, on the other end of the slider like how much effort did you put into this like uh, the slider of how obscure is it? Because that's important to me. And I guess, I don't know what the third slider is. Maybe the slider of, like, do you bear any resemblance to the character slider? Which yeah. is less important, but it's really awesome when you do. Because yeah. I saw, there was a guy out on the Skybridge earlier who was a really good 10th Doctor. Like, oh, looks yeah, like yeah. David Tennant, really good 10th Doctor. There's a hell of a lot of 10th Doctors around, but yeah. it's like, wow, you got it. It's it, And it there are a lot of 10th Doctors. And it's, I'm not sure if it's bad or good, but I'm going to say it's a little bit bad when one of the best 10th Doctor cosplays was a gender-swapped 10th tenth, tenth Doctor uh, no, I don't cosplay. think it's bad. I think she was just a fucking rad 10th yeah. Doctor. Um, yeah. We got on this subject, James and I got on the subject yesterday of trying to find the, the most, most obscure yet still recognizable costume. And yeah. I think that happened this morning All for right. me. Yeah. When we were over looking at some artwork on the end over here, a a woman dressed up as Lisa from Weird Science. Whoa! Yes. Nice. Did she have yes. the hair? Yes, she had oh the God, hair. Yes. She had the hair. She was in like the um like the the exercise outfit or whatever <laughs> it was with uh-huh. like yeah, the yeah. high school logo on yeah, the yeah, yeah. on the boots. Nice. Like yes, that's, so that's like, pretty good. That's pretty pretty obscure. Oh, pretty that's awesome. Uh, the ones that I've seen that are that fit into the obscure but recognizable. There was uh, there have been several like. Cloud and VV from Final Fantasy over the gaming area. There was someone dressed up as a white mage from Final Fantasy. Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, there is actually a pretty surprisingly good Batgirl standing right next I've seen to some Gail good, Simone. I've seen some good Batgirls. I mean, it's probably because we're right next to Gail Simone, yes, but like absolutely. all the good Gail Simone cosplay has been going and saying yeah, hi. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think somebody asked me earlier if you could ban one costume from the, the show. Um, I think it's I think it's Fiona. Finn Fiona. Finn Fiona. Yeah. It's like just too much. It's it's too easy. It's too lazy. It's too overdone. Yep. Yeah. And, and it's more interesting when they pick other characters from Adventure Time anyway. Yeah. Absolutely. Like the all the Adventure Time princesses are really exciting and bizarre. And I saw a good Rainicorn too, and that takes effort. Yeah. So. Um, I guess we're at. Oh, oh, uh, wait, no! I haven't done my Leia. good cosplay, bad cosplay yet. That's fine. I'm Slave Leia distracted again. Yeah, well, it happens. That's the same Slave Leia. <laughs> it is, but okay. that's, that's, a, lot, that's a lot of skin. All right, so. that's true. A uh, lot of yeah. Mm, I did see someone who was only wearing a thong and body paint, and that's all. And I'm not sure if she got kicked out or what, because I was like, no top, no, 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 just body paint. No pasties. <laughs> uh she might have had pasties. 
I didn't see for her from the front. But I was like, you're not wearing clothing, That's are you? That's not a costume. No, it's not. Yeah. Not actually a costume at all. I mean, but, if her body uh, was painted like Cortana or, or like a Navi. something. No, <laughs> it wasn't. It, it, it didn't have the depth to really, really justify. You just, you just saw she, some she naked just wanted to be here thong. naked. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. Fremont's that way, kids. <laughs> yeah. And, and the the, best one. So the best one, I'm tempted to say the Irma Gerd. Gershberms guy that had a cardboard box that was looked like a book and it said Ermagerd Gershberms and on the spine it's like my favorite Burks and then it has all the <laughs> covers of all the Goosebumps books and a picture of the Ermagerd girl on one side and then he had um, a wig with ponytails and I was did like, he have Man. fake braces done too no oh. unfortunately but there you go there's only so much devotion there's only so much you can do yeah um, and I have seen a lot of a lot of really really good cosplay but I, I think that the obscure slider was all the way at the top. Well, not all the way at the top, because Dr. McNinja is probably more obscure, obscure than that. Uh, but it was just very well done. All the sliders were in the, the right places for that to be the winner. The <laughs> loser was Blackface Jordy. Oh, that's oh. not okay. That's just... Oh. Like, I could tell this was the sort of guy that was really trying to be authentic in that he had like some kind of exciting contact that made his eyes look... Like filmed oh, over. Maybe. It wasn't even like. Oh, okay. Did he have? Vi- was it visor joys? He had or a visor, movie? and he had it on and off at various points. But the deal is, he was wearing blackface, and I'm sure that's not how he thought of it. But goddamn it, he was wearing blackface, and that's yeah. not cool. Like I'm all about if, like, j- just straight up. You're not the same race as what you want to cosplay. Fine, that's great. It's just like a gender Don't swap. Don't color right? your skin. It's just like a gender, gender swap. Universe. Exactly. Right. I mean, if if Star Michael Trek has a mirror universe, just run that. If Michael Clark Duncan can play Kingpin in a movie, you can be White Geordie. Yeah. Right, clearly. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that's that. And I've, delves I've seen into a, a lot different of realm. It's not even just bad cosplay. It's like wildly inappropriate cosplay. Right, and like, I've seen a lot of really great cosplay of people who that are not the rights of the character they're cosplaying. Yep. So aside from cosplay, show is awesome. Everything is great. I always walk away from this show happy because uh, I usually walk away from it happy and broke. Um, uh, <laughs> the only unfortunate part was that uh, Christina and I were contemplating buying a, an original piece of art from uh, Terry Dodson, and we went to lunch, and we came back from lunch, and he had left early. Uh, uh. So that's not happening, I guess. Um, but uh, I... Emerald City is always phenomenal. I look forward to coming back every year, and um, hopefully... Uh, Hopefully it stays as awesome as it is. Yeah. So I, I think I think now we'll go ahead and transition over to our, our Colin Bunn interview Woo! that we did. We actually recorded it yesterday, but we're going to go ahead and play it right now. We talked to him about Six Gun and Helheim and Fearless Defenders and Deadpool Illustrated, but mostly we spend a lot of time talking about Six Gun. Uh, Colin Bunn is one of our favorite creators uh, here on the show. Uh, Andy and I are both like amazing fans, so. Uh, it was nice to be able to talk to him for about half an hour. And here you go with uh, Colin Bunn. Hey, everybody. It's Luke and Andy again from Emerald City Comic Con. And we are here today for the Trade Secrets Podcast interviewing Colin Bunn. Hey, guys. First off, I'm going to start with a little bit of gushing because this show that we do, Trade Secrets, the uh, kind of the first thing that we ever did on the show was the Six Gun, the first volume of the Six Gun. Um, and 
Uh, it's Andy and I is easily one of our favorite books. Well, thank um, you. It is it is absolutely phenomenal to steal a phrase from Andy. Um, thank you so much. Yeah. I, I really appreciate that. No problem. It's abs- It's actually also the first uh, direct interaction we had with a creator too. Like we tweeted about it. And you had you had listened to the show. This is two years ago, mind you. So I don't expect you to remember, but I'm just saying. That's because I'm super self-absorbed. And I <laughs> I watch Twitter for any mention. <laughs> um, so. Uh, I think today we want to start off by asking you a little bit about uh, the six gun and how it got started and where it's going, and um, and then we'll we you know we can talk about some of the other stuff you got coming up in a little bit. But uh, uh, I kind of think we want to start there. Kind of, where did it start? Like, well, uh, the six gun is the second book I did with Brian Hurt. Mm -hmm. The damned was the first. The damned was the first. And uh, when we were talking, at one point we were talking about possible future storylines for the damned. And uh, I had this idea of something in the dam involving a cursed gun. Mm-hmm. It didn't. In the end, it didn't work in that universe, in, in the world of the dam. But that idea kept stick, you know, stuck with me. And uh, I, I put together sort of a, a modern gangland story about that was the first idea for the sixth gun, and it didn't work in a modern setting. And, and I've always loved supernatural westerns, so I moved it to that to mm-hmm. that setting, and, and the story kind of came together. There's not a whole lot of supernatural westerns out there that I've been able to find anyway. Yeah, I mean, there's a few, but yeah. uh, I mean, it, it's uh, this was the one I wanted to. This is the supernatural western I would have wanted. Yeah. Um, although uh, the original pitch for the six gun, it was a much different story. Even then, it was a, a much darker story. Uh, it was definitely going to be a miniseries. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was. It was definitely a horror story. Uh, and there were a lot of differences. Like Drake was a villain. I mean, he was the he was the bad guy in the story. He wasn't a rogue. He, was he wasn't a rogue. He was, <laughs> he was horrible. Uh, but, uh, but it changed over time. I, re- I, I realized the world was bigger, mm-hmm. and uh, there was more stories to tell there if I got the chance. So that's, uh, that's when it kind of got reworked as more of this epic fantasy, and Drake was recast as, well, maybe he's still a villain. but, uh, but as, Anti-hero? As, he's, he's an anti-hero. <laughs> How like where were you in your comics career when you started the Six Gun? Like, um, were other aside from doing the Damned? Like, what other projects had you worked on? Uh, I'm that? pretty sure that the Six I did the Damned, mm-hmm. and uh, the next thing I worked on was was the I'm tr- I, I'm having trouble right now remembering if the Tooth came out before the Six Gun or not. It no, it did not. It didn't. Okay, so the Six Gun was uh, I, I might have been working on the Tooth. Okay, but uh, but uh, the Six Gun was the next thing that I was really. Uh, so it wasn't really your day job at the time. No, I, no. I had a full time. I've, I've only been writing comics full time for two years now. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Uh, so the Six Gun was was you know my really my second big project. Yeah. Um, is like I noticed one of the one of the things that I love about the Six Gun is the way you draw in a lot of um, I guess the best term for it would be American mythology, like uh, the the things that. You know, it's not necessarily European mythology that you see in a lot of other stuff. It's it's more Native American or uh, you know, kind of this um, stuff from New Orleans. That, that some of that stuff is that something that's always interested you or that you've been familiar with? Or it, yeah, it's something that I've always been interested in. I've always I've always looked towards those things, and um, and I, I definitely thought as going in, you know, going into writing this, if it's going to be sort of an epic fantasy, I wanted to pull those elements mm-hmm. in and. and those elements help to build the world of Six Gun to actually make it a bigger world, even if it's things we only mention very briefly. Uh, 
it, it just helps to, to develop that world. Now, there have been knights in Six Gun. There's some European mythology <laughs> sure. showing up now, too. But, uh, but yeah, I, I wanted it to feel real as much as a, a supernatural Western could. And I think bringing those elements in gives it a home and kind of roots yeah. it a little bit. Uh, I'm not, mine stuff, my stuff is going to be completely off-tangent, so ask your serious <laughs> questions okay. first. Okay. Um, the now I'm nervous. <laughs> no, no, no. It's... <laughs> um, I, I'm, I've kind of, since getting into the Six Gun, I've followed a lot of your, your creator-owned stuff, that, Be at the Damned and then Six Gun, and now upcoming Helheim. And it seems like uh, you, you've kind of worked yourself into a, an arena where you do a lot of like real world with these like mythology, mythological or supernatural elements kind of thrown in. Is that... Yeah, yeah I think it's, it's definitely uh, the... That's, that's where my, my heart is, I yeah. think. It's the kind of stories I like. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of those creator-owned things that I'm working on, those are just stories that I like. So, and, and, uh, and I know there's a lot of that mashup feel to, to mm-hmm. some, you know, Vikings and Frankenstein and, you know, and, and <laughs> yeah. Westerns with supernatural, you know, supernatural guns, uh, gangsters and demons. And, yeah, I, I, I just tend to, to gravitate towards those types of stories. Uh, I think, you know, I've got, an, I've got another another creator-owned series that'll be coming out, probably be announced later in the year, and it's still got some of that sort of real yeah. world with mythology elements to it. At some point, I'm going to work on something that's not, but but in the end, I don't know that I really want to do that many straight real world stories. Yeah. That's not, I love those stories, but I don't think that's where I am as a writer. Okay. It's not the stories you want to tell. Right. Yeah. How did you hook up with Brian Hurt for, for The Damned and... And uh, six gun. Brian and I actually met a long, long time ago. Uh, we were both working at a comic book shop together. Oh, nice. Uh, we were both uh, both clerks at a comic shop, and he was drawing, and I was telling stories. And even way back then, we we got together to to maybe put some you know put a story together, and mm-hmm. and, uh, and it took a while for that to happen. Uh, the the damned was not the first thing we pitched. Uh, like to Only Press, I, the first thing we pitched was another genre mashup that was a Victorian England. Uh, horror uh, mashup nice. uh, about these two detectives who lived across the street from uh, Sherlock Holmes <laughs> and uh, they got all the jobs that he didn't want to take. <laughs> oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, it, it actually, I, I, I still, we think about that story a lot. Uh, I, I think uh, there were a lot, I mean, it was it's a long time ago and there were a lot of rookie mistakes to what we had put together, but I still think there's there, there was something to it. Now that you've got a little bit more success in the industry, do you ever think you'd go back to something like that? We 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 talk about it, but I doubt we'll ever return oh, to that story. Oh. Uh, I, I I doubt I doubt it'll I doubt it'll show up again. Although I still every now and again I run into our pitch materials and Brian's art for it and the character designs, and I I kind of I I kind of think well that maybe that's the same world as the Six Gun, and maybe <laughs> they can uh, maybe they can make an appearance crossover. Yeah. How many pitches did you go through before the Six Gun or, da- or the Damned got picked up? Um, if you don't, you know, I send a lot of pitches to Marvel and DC, uh-huh. and and not knowing the ins and outs of how to get a book in, in with those guys, I got a lot of rejections, and that's sure. it. If you don't count those, uh, the Damned was my second pitch to to Oni, mm-hmm. uh, and, wow. and then uh, and then the Tooth, and I pitched a couple of other things that they didn't didn't go for. And then the tooth and the six gun were were snapped up after that. Oh, so. nice. Go ahead. What are you oh, going to okay. ask? So um, specifically with the six gun, like I've noticed a bunch of people who don't read comics will actually read it. Did you have any idea that it was going to like sort of get legs like it did? I, I didn't. I, I, I mean, 
I knew it was a, a story that that I you know I, I, I'm proud of the story, but I didn't realize that there'd be so many people who who one didn't necessarily read comics who who enjoyed it. Uh, two, we got a lot of female readers who really. That's probably what surprised me more than anything was the number of female readers we got that that really enjoy the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and then the other one is people who hate westerns, and <laughs> we get a lot of people who hate westerns who still enjoy the book. Okay, cool. Um, so let me think here. <laughs> I'm going to start back at. The, I'm trying to think chronologically how to go about this. So you have demon gangsters in the damned, right? And then you said that you had the tooth and the six gun about the same point. Yeah, I, I know I was working on the tooth. Uh, the tooth, the tooth got accepted, maybe even before the six gun came about, but. Uh, but the problem with it was I couldn't find an artist. It took me a long time to find an artist. Uh, I, one thing that I absolutely love about that book is like the it really looks like a stack of old comics. Yeah. There's the missing issue yeah. and all that stuff. It just there, There's something that seems very real about its fakeness, I guess. We wanted <laughs> it to be a... Uh, we wanted it to have the feel of a stack of books you found in the flea market. Yeah. And, and that's we went for that throughout the everything we did with it. Yeah, the graphic design on that book is phenomenal. Like, I really yeah. like it. And and that's a you know a testimony to Matt Kent. He puts a lot of a lot of work into that yeah. kind of stuff. Uh, mind management is yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so no, go ahead. Uh, I'm gonna keep going with this for a minute. Yeah, go right uh, ahead. So, like, the Six Gun is the the first book that I think of when I'm you know when someone's like, well, what what would you recommend by Colin Dunn? And I'd be like, Six Gun. What would your recommendation be? I would recommend Six Gun. Six Gun. I yeah. think that's the, it, you know as a I think it's probably the, the the clearest representation of who I am and, and what I'm mm-hmm. about. So, I mean, I I like a lot of. I mean, all the, I recommend all my books. Just, they should just go out <laughs> and not having read anything by me, they should buy everything I've ever done. <laughs> but uh, the Six Gun, I think, is is the 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 best representation. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think Helheim, once it comes out, will also be another good representation of who I am, uh, and, and it'll it'll. It'll rocket right up to the top of my rec- of what I would say, you know. But the six gun's always going to be mm-hmm. that is the book. That's my yeah. That's that's the book. So my, uh, one other question, sort of based on that. Now, would you say the six gun is the book that you wanted to write, or was that the first one that really caught on? Like, is no. that the, the book that you really just want to get out there? It's definitely one of the books I want. I mean, I have so many stories that I want to tell, mm-hmm. and I have a big folder of ideas that, that I want to. Makes me so excited. But <laughs> but six gun is is by far it, it's it's it, it's it's kind of hard to explain but it's a story that that just it's it's my story I, it, yeah it's, it's just resonates with it you resonates like, with me yeah. yeah i mean i'm a fan of the i mean as much as i'm the writer of it i'm a fan of that series mm-hmm. and, and I, I i just love working on it so. yeah that's one of the things that caught me about it andy introduced me to it and i i've um one of the reasons that I've liked it so much is because there's not very many supernatural westerns. You know, I was a big, I was a big fan, not necessarily of the games, but in the backstory behind like Deadlands. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I came across the Six Gun, I'm like, this is awesome because it that seems like a, it seems like a, a, a genre that's just rife with ideas and that, like it's, it could spawn so many different stories and you just don't see them happen very often. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of stories out there. There's a one of the, the writers who inspires me is uh, Joe R. Lansdale, uh, okay. mainly known for his prose. Uh, he did a book called Dead in the West, which is a novella. Uh, and as later, it's been billed as a zombie western and things like that. But he sure. wrote this thing years ago. And uh, that book, I read it probably twice a year I read that book. And uh, I look back at one of the first prose short stories I ever sold was, was, uh, 
was such a ripoff of that story. <laughs> uh, I, the magazine that bought it folded before they ever published it. And I've thought from time to time of maybe releasing that on my website or something, but I just can't do it. It's really bad. <laughs> it's not a good story. Uh, but it was a it was a supernatural western, uh, and and Joe R. Lansdale also did a couple of the 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 Vertigo uh, Jonah Hex series. Uh, I love Jonah Hex. Yeah. yeah, and and he was the a lot of people think of Jonah Hex as a supernatural western, but it wasn't until Joe R. Lansdale brought those Vertigo series out, mm-hmm. and and they were great. Um, so there, there's stuff out there, and, and those things kind of uh, inspired me to to get out there and to 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 do this story, but there's. There's stuff out there to find if you if you know where to look. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> like, out of horror movies, mm-hmm. what would you say were your most influential ones? Uh, that's a tough one too. Uh, and I was I was just having a, this conversation with someone the other day about uh, about what I find uh, my favorite horror movies versus uh, the the horror movies that are fun to watch and that I would watch over and over again. Uh-huh. Because my favorite horror movies are are The Thing and mm-hmm. uh, Alien. Those are my favorite, and, and they, they, they are influential in what I do. But I wouldn't say they're super fun movies. Like on Halloween, I try to watch a bunch of horror movies. And The mm-hmm. Thing and, and Alien are not ones that I pick usually. Because I love those movies, but it's not the feel I want for, for Halloween sure. and that, that sense of fun. But, uh, but yeah, Alien, uh, The Thing. Uh, so, so what are the fun ones? Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of some fun movies right now. There's no fun. No, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I think the... I think the zombie movies are, are, are fun. Uh, the Romero stuff? The Romero stuff. Uh, do you like any of the remakes? Like the remake of Dawn of the Dead? The I like the remake. I yeah. do. Good. Uh, yeah. I, I, I love that remake, and I get so much flack for no, liking I, that remake. I like it just fine. Uh, it, it's, it's different. And, and every, you know, I don't know how I feel. I don't know how I felt about Fast Zombies, but it, you know, I still like the remake. Yeah. Uh, Reanimator. Fantastic. You know, you know, uh, this isn't a horror movie, but a this is my favorite movie and, and a big influence. I just rewatched it the other night and I was like, "Wow, I really draw a lot from this." And that's Big Trouble in Little China. Yes. Uh, and when you think about it, that's a, that was originally conceived as a western, and they just updated it to, to the, the modern era. Yeah. 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 I, to the '80s. I said modern era, but I'm <laughs> I'm kind of always stuck in the '80s in that's my mind. That's totally anyway, fine so. with me. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying about Alien and, and The Thing, though, because they're actually, like, they're the type of horror movies that take their genre so seriously yeah. as opposed to, you know, trying to make it campy or fun or anything. like Sleepaway so, Camp. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, mean, <laughs> I love that movie. It's terrible. And, and they are, they're, they're good, solid movies. I mean, they're, there's, they're, to me, though, they're flawless, both of those mm-hmm. movies. Uh, but, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say they are the movies I would pick as, as fun. Yeah. Uh, Helheim may be a little more influenced by movies like The Thing and and nice. uh, and, and Alien than uh, than say Six Guy. That's a good uh, segue. Actually, I wanted to talk a little bit about Helheim. I, I know the the first issue officially comes out next next month? week. They, oh, next, next week. week. Yeah, okay. on Wednesday. Awesome. Um, we got. I mean, I got the advance the ash can mm-hmm. from New York Comic Con, and I I love it. And I kind of wanted to ask you the same question I had with a uh, Brian Hurt. Like, how did you get hooked up with uh, Joel Jones to do the art? Uh, Joel, uh, Joel was a recommendation from my editor on the book. Okay, uh, Charlie Chu, uh, who's who's editing it. He he liked. I, I sent I sent Helheim to them without an artist attached, um, knowing that I may have to wait forever to find the, to find the right artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right away, Charlie recommended Joel, um, and uh, we, I met with her at San Diego, uh, not this a couple of years ago, 
and we talked about it, uh, I realized that she she really wanted to draw that kind of story. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I was you know from that point, she showed me some of her the concept sketch, the character designs, and things like that, and and I was sold. And uh, yeah, the art in that book is phenomenal. Oh yeah, it's, like, she's she's really talented. <laughs> yeah, she she's an amazing talent. One of the things that amazes me about her, sorry to gush on her a little bit, but she... Whose interview is this? (laughs) She constantly tweets warm-up sketches that are head and shoulders better than some finished artwork I've seen. Yeah, I was was really upset. She she posted some Big Trouble in Little China stuff, and I saw it maybe a couple of hours after she posted it, and I, like, rushed to go buy them, and they'd already been sold. Oh. Yeah. So, um... Moving on a little bit to your Marvel stuff, mm-hmm. um, I know you're, you're you're doing Deadpool Illustrated right now and Venom. Fearless Defenders. Yeah, Venom mm-hmm. and Fearless Defenders. And uh, I, I've read a, a couple of your things in the past. I read a few of your Fear, uh, Fear itself stuff mm-hmm. and the Superman Batman uh, uh, mini you did. Well, I guess arc yeah. you did. Um, how did uh, how did you get in? Is that was that just a natural progression from getting success off the six gun? You started being able to to pitch them for ideas, or did they come to you for those things? Yeah, uh, it was after the six gun came out. Uh, one of the DC editors sent me uh, a message on Twitter and, and asked if I would be interested in pitching for Superman, Batman. And then after that, uh, that came out, and with so that was how I got in with DC. And then with Marvel. Uh, I had been sending him stuff and sending him stuff for for a long time, but uh, uh, a couple of people, Sean Crystal, who's an, a talented artist who works for Marvel, and Jason Aaron, uh, handed my uh, uh, handed the six gun to uh, to Axel Alonso, mm-hmm. and uh, and he liked it, and and that was really how I got in at Marvel. He gave me a shot on a couple of short stories with Deadpool, and, and it just progressed from there. How is so? Fearless Defenders is an ongoing, right? It is. It's supposed to be an ongoing. Nice. Yes. Um, I read the first issue. I like it. It's good stuff. It's it's a, it's it's a, a fun f- book. It's a fun book. It's a it's a different kind of book. It's, I mean, for me, but uh, it is. I mean, it's it's an unapologetic superhero story. Yeah, I'm not. You know, it's it's old school superheroics. You've been into comics for a long time. Mm-hmm. Clearly, Has, was working for the big two something you've wanted to do for a long time, or were were you more interested in just doing creator owned and your? I, I was always interested solely in telling stories, but right. I mean. I'd be lying if I said it wasn't, you know, something that, you know, from from a very young age that I looked towards writing those characters that mm-hmm. that I grew up reading. I always wanted to write, you know, write those characters. Nice. And you know, I have the list of characters I want to make sure I I get to write at some point. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it, it was something I, I aspired to. Cool. Um, Go ahead. So if if like you could write any Marvel DC iconic character, who who would be your your top pick or something you really want to do? Not necessarily uh, something that you are doing, but something you want. Right, to do. Uh, the Micronauts, which is the Micronauts, <laughs> is always going to be the top of my list, only because uh, that was the comic that made me love comics. Yeah. Um, but forgetting, you know, and I got to write some of those characters in Minimum in the uh, the, the Venom Scarlet Spider crossover Minimum Carnage. Uh, but beyond that, uh, Man Thing. Nice. Were- oh, nice. Werewolf by Night. You know, a Moon Knight. All of the. Werewolf by Night, like, I, for some odd reason, I want to say it heavily influenced the tooth, right? Uh, yeah, all of those. Man Thing, Man Thing, Swamp Thing, Werewolf by Night, all of those were big influences on the tooth. Nice. There's yeah. an old, like, I'm assuming as a kid you read a bunch of the old EC stuff. I did, okay. I did. But uh, I think, you know, by uh, I, that introduction to uh, those horror heroes, uh, you know, I would love to, to bring back uh, 
what was the team with Blade and uh, Midnight Suns? Midnight yeah. Suns, right? Uh, you know, <laughs> the rise of the I Midnight would, Suns. Is I would phenomenal. write. I would write the heck of a mid, out of a Midnight Suns revival. <laughs> uh, but you know, uh, a lot of people tend to to remind me that the things I want to pitch. Uh, are not necessarily books that sell a not lot of a lot of numbers. Commercial vi- commercially I viable. Mean, I pitched when I first met with Marvel face to face years ago. The Damned hadn't even come out yet. I pitched Moon Knight, uh, a, a horror Moon Knight series called the Macabre Moon Knight, and uh, and a Morbius series. And now, of course, there's Mor- a Morbius, yeah, Morbius series. Book. <laughs> how, how dare they? EC had so many great books back then. They did, and I think my introduction to those horror books were probably from, like, House of Mystery, and uh, I remember uh, on many occasions, and I did not read a lot of the horror comics on a regular basis, but I got a lot of them from yard sales and flea markets and things like that, and uh, here's going to make me sound like a country bumpkin, but I remember so many times going to the creek with my dad, and for whatever reason, whenever we went to the creek, I would pull out just the horror comics, like the House of Mystery and the Ghosts and things like that, and sit on the creek bank reading those stories early in the morning as my dad was fishing. So, but those were probably some of my first introduction to those kind of horror comics. Yeah. So uh, to kind of wrap it up at the end, the last questions I want to ask about the the Six Gun TV show. Yes. Um, we've been I've been watching all of the announcements of the actors they've been casting. Um, and I can't really get a feel for how those actors are going to, like, kind of fall into the show. Have you been involved in that process? Did you get to see any of, like, the audition tapes or anything? Yeah, I've seen, uh, I've seen all the auditions. And uh, it's, it's been a, it's, it's a very surreal. First of all, it's very <laughs> surreal seeing these people read, read for characters that, in some cases, you know, the script's different than the book. But in a lot of cases, they're, you know, there's stuff that's right from the book. And it's kind of weird to see these actors, uh, mm-hmm. uh, these actors read for that. It's uh, it's exciting. I think uh, I think they've made some some great choices so far from what I've seen. Uh, yeah. You know they've they've cast Becky. They've cast uh, the general. Mm-hmm. Um, couple they, of the couple of the horsemen. They right. Ca- well, they cast one of the horsemen and one of the Pinkertons. Oh, okay. So, cool. Uh, so uh, I think their choices have been great. I'm very interested in seeing who they cast for. You know what the choices are for. For Drake and Bill John, and Bill John in particular is one I'm very, uh, I'm very interested in. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, uh, I mean, there are there are some that I've seen that I'll admit that I'm I'm very giddy over just to see these people <laughs> working read. on your stuff. Yeah, yeah it, that I you know I've you know I've gasped out loud when I open the, <laughs> open the links up and see the the auditions. I'm <gasps> but <laughs> that's nice. Are you gonna take? Are you gonna take our suggestion and get Sam Elliott to do the narration? What's this? Come on, our suggestion stuff. That's, that's that's the banner that Fine. you're waving. Fine, that's my suggestion. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, I I'm trying to. I'm not sure if there is a narrator to okay. the show, but uh, Sam Elliott would be a good choice. Yes, uh, that is the voice that I hear when I read the comic book. So, I I've I've heard Sam Elliott. I've heard uh, Powers Booth. I can see I've Powers heard, Booth uh, doing that. Yeah. So. Uh, so we'll see. Yeah. Um, Are they filming? They're just filming a pilot right now, I'm assuming. Yeah, so, so. the process is they're going to be filming a pilot in a few weeks, and uh, they'll start filming in a few weeks. And then, you know, from there, it, based on that pilot, we'll see if it gets uh, gets picked up as a series or not. At this point, you know, it's it's one of those things I think about. I think about the Six Gun, and it's there been, you know, there's been interest in Hollywood and things like this. But this is a perfect storm. I mean, it's got the mm-hmm. right... The right people putting it together with Carlton Cuse and uh, and Ryan Condal writing the scripts. A great screenwriter. Uh, these are you know it's they, if it doesn't happen now, I can rest easy because 
it, if it can't happen with this group, it will not happen. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's it, fair. And and I've seen you know the stuff they put together is is very true. It's a it's a good adaptation. It's true to the spirit of the Six Gun, but it takes the story in, in its own direction because it has to. Yeah, it's right. its own thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and uh, it, and I like that. Uh, it's yeah. the kind of stuff I like when I when I watch an adaptation of something on the on TV. I like being surprised by what I see by the changes that they make. And, yeah, yeah, it's it that I like that too because if it's just a word for word adaptation, I'm like I've already I know this already. Like, give me something new. So I really like the the Walking Dead how they've handled that. Yeah, how it's, exactly. It's, you know, it's kind of the same story, but not really. Well, and, yeah. and if it wasn't something I felt was true to the feel of the book, I would not be. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be as excited about it. But it's true. You know, they the, the people who are involved really love the book, and uh, and uh, you know that's exciting for me. Their excitement over the book translates to my excitement over the show. That's awesome. So uh, aside from Fearless Defenders and and. Deadpool and everything. Is there anything or any upcoming projects you're working on? Uh, I'm working on a few things that haven't been announced, but uh, I would okay. say uh, I would say you know Helheim is the is the next is the next big one for me yep. is uh, is is my next creator owned book that comes out what, the first week in March. Is so. that intended to be a mini or is it going to be a like it's a, a it's, maxi series kind of like Six Gun? Or? I've written I've written six issue. I wrote a six issue story. Okay. Now. Uh, that's the same thing I did with Six Gun. I wrote a six-issue story. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's more. There are more stories to tell in that world, and then that's really dependent on uh, on on readers' response and, yeah. and and things like that. It's it's before the books come out, it's gotten a, a strong response to the to the series, uh, and I'm I'm hoping that that you know we keep that ball rolling. Yeah, because there are more stories to tell in that world. And Helheim is, or Six Gun is, how, how many issues is it going to run? Six Gun will run 50 issues. 50 on the dot, okay. And then we will we'll wrap up that story. Not including Sons of the Gun, I'm assuming. Not including any, uh, any if we do any spin off miniseries. Like Sons of the Gun, we'll probably do another series like that maybe next year. That would be cool. That was, uh, that was Andy was talking about this just the other day when we were talking about this, this on the show early on. He was like, you know what would be really cool is a miniseries based on the Horsemen. <laughs> so. Well, those characters, uh, since, we, you know, since the very first arc, people have asked about those characters. They're fantastic. I'm not saying to detract from anything else, but I mean, just like there was something about the Horsemen that I was like, these guys are great. I mean, these are one of my favorite, <laughs> my favorite stories. I remember talking to a retailer. And uh, it was when the six gun was coming out, like issue two or three had come out. And this retailer said, "You know, what I really like. I want to. I can't wait to know more about this horseman with a bag on his head." <laughs> and I was sitting there smiling and nodding and thinking to myself, "Well, I can tell you that I kill him in a couple of issues." <laughs> and uh, he gets taken out by an Ewok trick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> about thirty uh, pages from now. Yeah, and uh, and I, you know, that was something. You know, a lot of people were like, "How did you kill? You know, you made these badass characters." And then you kill him in the first arc, and I was like, "Yeah, I know." And there'll be more yeah. cool characters, but yeah, I I actually kind of liked that because it was kind of interesting to see, like, you know, to kind of come into their story at the end, right. right, and like see that see that and be like, "Oh, where did well, they come exactly, from?" This, you know, it was meant to be the end of their story. Yeah, and, you know, this is, but yeah, this so now in Sons of the Gun, uh, you know, if you like, if you have a favorite of the Horsemen, the good news is each one of them gets a great issue that you can learn. You know, we, we you know Bill Bill Sumner's the first issue. Uh, Filthy Bill, Filthy Ben Kenny, the uh, the guy with the hood, he's our second issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you get to see you get to see a little bit about every one of them. Is it a four issue or five issues? It's a five issues. Five issues. So yeah. one for each character, and then a wrap the, up. The, or? The, 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 the 
the, the band gets back together you know, in, the, in the fifth issue. Nice. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, Brian likes to joke that every time he designs a really cool-looking character, I kill them off. <laughs> uh, well, uh, um, Asher. Asher Asher's Cobb. still alive. He is. For now. He is. Well, alive-ish, I guess. He's, yeah, he's, he's <laughs> as alive as he can be. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you very much for joining us. We'll, uh, we'll let you get back to your con. We thank really you. appreciate it. Um, Everybody, go check out Helheim next week. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. Thank you once again to to Cullen Bunn for uh, spending some time sitting with us, bullshitting about uh, the stuff that he's been doing and the stuff that's coming up. He talked to us about that. I'm super duper excited for the the Six Gun TV show. Oh, man. Uh, He's been, you know, some of the the actors have been going out on Twitter. It's been awesome. Uh, They're filming the pilot, and it's going to be spectacular. Sweet. uh, This this is actually wrapping up our time here at Emerald City Comic Con. Uh, The show hall closes in about an hour. And uh, we are going to, to wrap up. We will see you guys for the next episode of the Trade Secrets Podcast, which I think is going to be... The 12, is it not? The 12. Joel's suggestion of the 12. Um, and that will, uh, that will be recording sometime in the next week or so. So you'll probably hear it about a week and a half, two weeks after this, uh, after this one gets posted. Uh, thank you, James, for sitting with us this weekend. Yeah, even you'll, you're be able not to, you'll be able to hear me on uh, After the Fact podcast. Uh, at least for a little while longer. Yeah, um, well, as long as it airs, and then you'll never hear from me again. <laughs> Ever again. Uh, thank you, Anne, for dropping by and uh, yeah. doing a cast with us. So. Um, we will also. Oh, that's all. That's right. We were. We are also going to uh, put together your interview with um, Minor Arcana Press guy that I can't remember his Evan. name. Evan. Thank you, Jesus. I am bad with names. Evan what Peterson. Okay. Um, so so yeah, uh, Evan. Will, we will we will be posting the interview with Curtis Weeb separately. What? I mean, we might get something else. I don't know yet. There's something that might be in the works. Ah, yeah. teaser. And if it doesn't um, show up, then then you'll just be disappointed. Exactly. So <laughs> Curtis Hooray. J. Weeb interview will go up after these shows. The uh, what's Evan's last name? Evan Peterson. Evan Peterson. Evan J. Peterson. Evan J. Peterson of Minor Arcana Press. We'll put that interview up separately as well. Um, and uh, thanks for joining us for our Emerald City Comic Con podcast. And we will see you on the flip side.